Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Hello, my name is Luke. My this is my wife, Jamie. Um, and we are honored and privileged to um, join uh, From Beer to the Bible. We were asked to tell our story. We're gonna have a little conversation. And um, it's kind of crazy that that we're here right now. Very. Um, it's been a long journey. Um, I was, um, I was, I mean, I was born in a family, loved. Uh, I, I, I had nothing to complain about. Um, raised by great parents, but for some reason, I, I just never felt comfortable in my own skin, and I couldn't figure out why. I would act out, and I got in trouble a lot, and um, I remember uh, my junior year of high school and I drank for the first time and I finally, I finally kind of felt normal. Um, and, uh, I told myself, wow, like I really enjoy doing this. And as time went on, I started drinking more than my friends and, um, and it got a little worse. I got in a lot of trouble in high school. And, um, then when I, when I went to college, um, I was able to get away with it because I mean, all of our friends were crazy. Crazy. Uh, we met freshman year at Baylor, and uh, we dated all four years. And uh, I knew from the moment I met her, I was going to marry that woman. And uh, I'll get to that, but we did. <laughs> Try and believe you. Yeah. Um, so around my junior year, my drinking got so bad. I remember Jamie telling me like something's got to give. You gotta, you gotta stop. Like, and if you're drinking too much in college, then you know you've got an issue. And, um, I remember I was at this house and this guy said, I'm gonna go get some painkillers. Anyone want any? And I said, painkillers? Sure. I'll try them. And uh, I did. And, uh, the second I took those, um, I felt a feeling I never felt before. It just, this peace came over me. And I told myself in that moment, I was going to do this every day for the rest of my life. And, uh, as Jamie can tell you, I did, um, and I hid it from everybody for years, um, all throughout the rest of college. None of my friends knew. Jamie didn't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a clue. Um, college was just one big party. I think we both grew up, you know, so conservative and kind of sheltered, and it was just kind of really outlined who we should be and how we should act. And I went to a really pri uh, Christian private school, and so I got to college. It was kind of like I have four years to have fun, essentially, and so. I met Luke and he's this big ball of fun and he was just so energetic and always had fun ideas. And then we cultivated this great friend group. And I mean, we basically just kind of lived it up for four years. And so people will say like, were there red flags about this addiction in college? And to be honest, I was kind of like, flag. I was a red flag. <laughs> yeah, like I knew I kind of had four years to have fun and kind of escape the life that I had always lived. And then I would get back to it. And I think that's, you know, kind of describes addiction perfectly. It's like I could go into college and drink and have fun 
And then once it was over, I was like, okay, like time to be a grown up and that's over. And when you have that addiction predisposition and your brain can't do that. Yeah. I couldn't so stop. when you switched from alcohol to drugs, I didn't know. I just was like, oh, he's maturing. He's cut down on alcohol because, you know, you were, when you would take opiates, you were so, you know, good. <laughs> you had such a mm -hmm. positive response. It wasn't like the wild and crazy yeah. alcohol kind of, you know. Yeah. And the, and the initial phase of, of taking uh, opiates or painkillers, whatever you want to call them, um, I was, I mean, life was, life got better. Um, and, uh, but as a lot of people in addiction know, it's a progressive disease. And, um, so we both graduated, we got engaged five months later, she moved to Dallas and I moved to West Texas to work in the oil fields. And, uh, that's when it got really bad. And, um, to speed it up a little bit, I, I was at this gas station I saw some sketchy guys I couldn't find any drugs and I found this one guy and um, he told me that he could give me some oxycotton and um, I called him the next day and he said I can't get you any oxycotton but I can get you heroin and immediately I said nope I hung up the phone I said I'll never do that I've seen in the movies like no way would I ever stick a needle in my arm not a chance and uh, I remember I sat there for like an hour thinking about it and I called him back and I said, do I have to, you know, stick a needle in my arm? He was like, no, you can snort it or smoke it. I'll show you how to do it. And I went and I met him. And um, I'll never forget going inside his apartment, sketchiest people I've ever seen. And uh, I just, I wanted, I wanted to change the way I felt so bad I was willing to do whatever I had to do to get it. And uh, he showed me how to do it. And... Um, from then on is when Jamie and I really started having problems. We did end up getting married about four or five months. Was it five months after we graduated? Yeah, I think. Something like that. Well, actually a year after I graduated, okay. you took it, you had an extra stamp. And um, somehow, some way I stopped using opiates before, about a week before we got married. We went, we got married, it was a great wedding. We went on our honeymoon. And then as soon as we got back is when I went back to using it and, and more and uh, she noticed, but she had no idea like how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, back then, I mean, that was 2013. And so it was kind of right when the opiate epidemic was kind of yeah. really starting to rear its head, but no one was talking about it. So, you know, I would see, because you kind of doctor shopped for a while, you know, so oh, I would yeah. see, injuries. Yeah. So I would see bottles with his name on it, but I was like, it has his name on it, it's medicine. I didn't know anything about addiction. I, you know, I grew up, I had such an idea like childhood. I, I just didn't, I didn't hear anything about this and what it was and where it could go. And so I started just to kind of noticing, I'm very observant. And so I would just kind of notice things along the way, but it was like a big puzzle that I could never quite figure out for a while. It was like, okay, that's weird. That's weird. That's weird. Something's up, something's up, something's up. But you know, addicts aren't honest, especially in active addiction. So, you know, it was always a story, always a cover up, always of this, always of that. And then I really didn't, it really didn't come to a head until I remember it was my birthday. I remember in March. So we got married in August and then in March, um, it was when, you know, I actually found physical pills and it was like, that's when you finally were like, okay, this is what's been going on. I can't stop. I've tried. Mm -hmm. 
And you, it was kind of, I think it was a big moment for all of us because for me, the puzzle pieces were finally come together like, oh my gosh, this is drugs, this is addiction, I know nothing about the, oh, oh, you know, holy shit, basically. <laughs> and for him, it was a moment of, this is more than just recreation. Yeah, right? I remember we went, we went to that, what, we had to go to a wedding in Dallas and I ran out of drugs and I had no idea what withdrawals were. And that was the first time I went through serious, serious withdrawals. And I could not get out of bed. I was throwing up on myself, um, uh, just sick as I could possibly get up. And that's when I looked at Jamie and I said, you know, I need help. And that was um, the first rehab I went to was uh, a 30-day treatment center in um, South Texas in Kerrville. And I was there 30 days and I did my time and I thought I was cured and you came and picked me up. We went to San Antonio to kind of celebrate and I went for a run and I found a homeless man and I got heroin two days, that day. And um, then that kind of started off a cycle of me going to rehab for 30 to 90 days, getting clean for a couple weeks or a month and then relapsing and just going back and forth, back and forth. And um, finally I got, I got clean long enough when we moved to Dallas, um, I convinced Jamie to move to Dallas and, uh, I found this new job and, um, for whatever reason, it, it went really well somehow, some way. And I made all this money and I thought I was the coolest cat on the block. And, um, it got to my head and I told myself that, you know, I can use drugs. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a man, like I can, I can control it this time. And that's when, for whatever reason, I decided to go to the needle and, and the wheels really fell off there. Um, I overdosed in a, um, Fiesta. yeah, a convenience store bathroom. I don't remember a thing. All I remember is waking up in an ambulance and there's a paramedic on either side of me. And I look up, I look up at him and I said, where am I? And they said, son, you've been dead for 30 seconds. And they, uh. They Narcan me, they brought me back to life. And uh, that's when Jamie kind of really pulled back and she just said, you know, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, it was about to what, the fifth rehab, something like that. Probably. Fourth or fifth rehab. And, and she really just had to, had to back off and, and let me figure this thing out. And uh, that's what kind of got our what, separation or divorce in line. and. You know, she divorced me. Uh, she filed papers. I got them while I was in treatment. 2016. 2016. And I used that as an excuse to go even harder. And uh, from then until, oh, when I got clean about two and a half years ago were the worst days of my life. I had a mattress on a floor in an apartment. Um, I would just drink and use drugs all day. I got fired from three or four jobs. I was absolutely miserable. And to back up a little bit, we had our daughter Hallie um, in Midland. So when Hallie was about six months old is when we got divorced. And um, I thought that, you know, getting engaged would get me clean. I thought getting married would get me clean. I thought having a kid would get me clean. You know, I thought all these you know, things in life would make me realize I need to stop and gun to my head. I could not stop. No matter how hard I tried, 
I could not stop. And um, when we got separated, I, I again, I used that as an excuse to go do whatever I want. And uh, we were done. Um, we were kind of, we would talk every now and then because we, we shared a kid together. But really, I couldn't even spend time with my daughter because she didn't want me around. Um, because who would? Yeah, it's not safe. And um, I remember it was so bad. Um, I really thought about taking my own life multiple times. You know, I, I, I just didn't want to live anymore. Um, and no matter how hard I tried, I didn't get clean. And I remember in a last, a last ditch effort, um, I'd heard about this place my mom and dad were supporters of called the Men of Nehemiah. And it's uh, South Dallas. It's in South Dallas. It's a state-funded military-based program. Um, it raises a lot of money through donations and it's, um, it's basically a, a treatment center, but it's more like, how would you describe Nehemiah? I mean, it's different. I it's, mean... it's faith-based. It's tough. Um, I mean, you're up at 5 AM every morning marching. It's, it's nine months to a year long. And I remember like, I remember going with my mom when I was in high school and looking at these guys and, and most of them come off the streets and you know, they have nothing. And. Um, I remember looking at those guys and be like, I'll never be that bad. Like, I'll never have to do anything like that. And I think uh, I kind of had the same thought. Like I never, I was always hesitant to go because well, more kind of once your addiction had started and they were involved. So we're kind of our Midland years. You know, I was kind of like, I can't look what, I can't look in the face what, where this addiction can lead, you know, because in my mind it was like, we can, we can stop it before it gets to that point. And that's a little bit of my story is, you know, just believing that I could fix it um, because I love Luke so much and I knew who he was deep down and I knew who he could be, who he wanted to be. And so, you know, my type A control free personality was just like, all right, this is a problem. I'm going to research it. So I learned everything there was to know about addiction. I was like, we got this. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Google everything. I would find supplements, treatment centers, IOPs this that you can go you know do all this sort of holistic stuff and this is going to fix you and then we're going to get back in our easy cute little lives and oh by the way i'm not going to tell anybody i'm going to keep this completely secret right, right? Yeah, like yeah like you're fine you're just sick a lot you know mm -hmm. you have to go on a lot of work trips so obviously that is not a healthy way to cope with someone loving someone in addiction because it's essentially enabling, right? Like I was only hurting myself, him, and I wasn't being transparent with the people that loved us and could potentially help us more. Um, so I just think I just so badly was just wanting to prevent it from getting to the Nehemiah level, right? To these guys who had lost everything on the streets, you know, in jail, incarcerated, you know, everywhere that addiction leads, no matter how you grow up or where you live or how much money you have. So, um, yeah, so it was really, I mean, it was such a journey for me to finally get to the point of, I cannot fix this. Like I, there's no solution that I can find. Which is hard for you because you're such a doer and yeah. a fixer. And <laughs> no matter what you did, you couldn't get me clear. I mean, it was, and it's so exhausting and it was breaking me down to the point where I was just become, I just kind of had to become this hard shell of a human, you know, because it's just so painful to love an addict because it's wrecking, it was wrecking my life, but it's also wrecking the person's life that I love, you know, I mean, it's, it's a miracle he's even alive, you know, so it's like trying to keep someone alive, trying to keep someone sober, but also trying to be a good mom and take care of yourself. And it was just too much. And so ultimately, you know, I, I went to one therapist and he said, 
at this point, you and Luke aren't going to successfully be together if you aren't successfully apart. If you don't kind of break this cycle of Luke being addicted to drugs and you being addicted to Luke. It was toxic. And like he heal, you focus on healing, figure out a way to live healthy lives individually. Because I mean, we met when we were 18 and, you know, so we kind of grew up in a lot of ways together and then all this started. So there was like a real deep, like psychological, um, and we were really enmeshed. And so I think it was kind of separating and finding a way to heal and move forward individually, um, which really gave us both a chance mm-hmm. at being healthy and whole and, um, you know, finding a relationship with God. I think both of us, you know, I mean, we grew up so Christian, but, you know, it's easy to be a Christian when you're going on these fun trips and everything's going perfect. And so, you know, I always think like, who would I be today if, this hadn't all happened, yes, yeah. you know, we would just be kind of certain what I'd be just kind of this shallow surface level. Everything's great. Mom, you know, I don't know. Um, so the three find God though. I feel like, especially for me is in the struggle. Sure. Um, because during my addiction, I, I never thought about God. I, I, I wouldn't say I hated him. I just, he just wasn't afterthought, you know, I, I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And, you know, like you said, growing up in church, I mean, I guess I believed, but I just did because my parents, I guess, told me to until everything was ripped away from me, everything. And I had nowhere else to turn, nowhere. I had nowhere to turn, but to God, because I had nothing left. And, uh, that's why we're sitting here today because God's given us this story to tell and, and, and who are we to deny him of that. Um, but back to, back to Nehemiah, I, I was there. I decided to go for whatever reason. I just said, I'll go, you know? Well, because like we were talking about on the couch the other day, you know how we were saying addiction is so, um, it's so hard to cure because it's not just a disease. It's not just spiritual and it's not just physical, you know, it's like, it takes so many different avenues to kind of heal it obviously the spiritual being paramount which is i'm sure what you're about to talk about but you had gone to mexico you know you had done all these kind of country club rehabs pay the check i'll get you sober it's really easy and then you decided you know you found this um, place in mexico Mm -hmm. you know that basically healed your whole body Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and then then you found nehemiah which i feel like god was so in that process you yeah. know and, and kind of so in that order and even though it's kind of hard to say that now because i kept wanting each one of those things to get you sober mm-hmm. you know but i think it, it was so the lord and yet kind of using bits and pieces from all of that you know because mm-hmm. i tried like she said i tried the, all the different rehabs the country club rehabs the you know massages and and you know surfing on the beach and, uh, yeah cool. whatever i'm here being a single mom but yeah and you jamie i'll never forget what she told me she said i know you want to get clean and sober but i don't think you're willing to do whatever it takes and um that was that was heavy because i would go to these places expecting them to do the work for me and that's, that's not how addiction works. That's not how recovery works. You can't just show up and expect to be clean. You have to put in the work. I mean, that's with anything in life. And, um, yeah, like Jamie said, I even went 
to Mexico to do, to do like hallucinogenic therapy. I was there like almost four months um, on the beach. They gave me all these psychedelics. When I tell you I tried everything, I have tried everything. Like green juices, the hyperbaric chamber, yeah, like, the good perfect. things. Yeah, you know? I tried it all, I'm telling you. And the only thing that worked was Christ. Um, and that's a fact. And we would not be standing here today if it wasn't for him. And when I went to Nehemiah, I thought to myself, like, I'm not going to finish this. Like, I'd honestly rather be dead. But then something just kept kind of hitting me in the back of the head. Like, you're here for a reason. You know, you've got, a, you've got an amazing daughter. Like, do it. Do it. And um, we would get up. Um, every morning at 5 a.m. and put on our military outfits and march around South Dallas. And I just remember asking myself, like, how did it come to this? Like, how did it get this bad? But that was God's plan for me and for us. Um, I had to go through some hard stuff. Um, I'm very hard-headed, and uh, sometimes I need a kick in the pants. And that place kicked me in the pants hard. And um, it was the hardest thing I've ever put myself through, but it honestly taught me how to be a man. It taught me how to grow up. It taught me how to clean up after myself and respect others and uh, respect my wife. And um, it was one of the single greatest decisions that I've ever made. I, I was there a year. Um, I got clean and um, Jamie and I, somehow, some way, she wasn't married to someone else by then. And uh, we started talking again. How long did we date? You wrote me letters, remember? Uh, you yeah. wrote letters. I wrote her one letter talk. a week. I was pretty done. I, I wrote week. you one letter a week yeah. for a year, like straight out of the notebook. Every day. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I mean, honestly, it was kind of that because I was done. I mean, we very much lived separate lives, like dating other people, but there was always kind of something in the back of my mind that just felt like our story wasn't finished. Yeah, for sure. And it took a long time for me to figure out, was that just attachment? Was that just this idealistic love or just the kind of my desire for my family to be together? Was this a wish for Hallie? Like what, what was this feeling that I couldn't ever shake? Um, and so I think that year of not, cause it was COVID when you were at Nehemiah. So uh -huh. no visitation, no anything. So basically we didn't see each other for nine months and, um, nine straight months, nine straight months, but it was, it was so, it's like so providential because it allowed us to kind of really figure out like, okay, and what do we want? And like, what, what is, you know, for me, it was like, what is this love and what does it mean? And what does it look like? And is this a possibility? Is this crazy? You know, like I have the chance to cut bait and run and find somebody who is easy, you know, and a non-addict. And, um, and I say all the time, like when we share our testimony, or I'm talking to people, I'm like, you know, life isn't always like easy versus hard. You know, it's like we choose our hard daily, you know? Right. I mean, I think I saw a thing once that was like, you know, eating healthy is hard, being overweight is hard, you know? Like being, you know, working really hard is tough, but you know, um, being poor is tough. You know, it's like all these different things in life that we have to choose our hard. And so I kind of got to a place where I'm like, going back to Luke is gonna be so hard because addiction isn't curable, right? It's treatable, but he'll always be an addict and we have so much stuff in our past, you know, baggage essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, marrying somebody else's heart, splitting your kid is hard, sending your kid back and forth on Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, and and then you've got that new person with their set of issues, you know, so 
I think a lot of times we think like, oh, I've gone through this hard thing and now I'm going to find, now it's all, you know, I'll find someone else and it'll all be better. You know, and a lot of, I think a lot of people operate in marriage like that, right? Like my husband is, you know, terrible. I just need to find a new one. But like, if you look at divorce rates, even of second marriages is higher than first marriages, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that year of you focusing on you and me focusing on me and figuring out like, okay, what could this look like? And it being a very slow process to not trust your words, but to trust your actions. Well, that's where I failed every time. Yeah. The previous rehabs, I would, the first thing I would do is try and go fix, try and go fix my relationship with my daughter, fix my relationship with Jamie. And I forgot to put God in my recovery first. And anything I put in front of my recovery, it was, I would lose it. Any single thing, any single thing I would put in front of my recovery was the first thing that would be gone. And so that's where my relationship with Christ came in. And I, and I, I remember just, just pouring over the Bible. I mean, just studying it like it was, you know, for the SAT, I, I literally dove into my Bible and studied God's word every single day. I became infatuated with it. And, and what I got out of it was, was one, God is real 100%. And, um, he's the reason that I'm still breathing. And uh, I owe it to him to be the best person that I can be. And I always knew that that was with Jamie, with my family. And um, I, yeah, like Jamie said, I knew in the back, I kind of just knew in the back of my mind that we'd get together. I don't know why. I just think that that was, I, I just know God didn't give us the chemistry that we have and the love that we have for each other to, to not try and work it out, especially for our little girl. And uh, so we started dating. We dated about, what? Six months? Yeah. No. Wow. So you got 22 years. About. So it was 2020, 2021. Then we got married halfway through 2022. So yeah, we got, we got remarried in May of 2022. Um, we had another girl, Lila, on, what was it, January <laughs> 27th. And then she, believe it or not, we were having Irish twins. She is pregnant with our third girl, who is also going to be due in January. January. They'll be about 11 and a half months apart. So we're making up for lost time. Yep. <laughs> I guess God's like, what's that verse where he says he restores the years the locusts have eaten? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I kind of think that's what's happening. We're not def- definitely in plan really either. Obviously, we knew we wanted to grow our family fast, but we couldn't have really anticipated this fast. <laughs> but here we go. If, if anything, if anyone can get anything out of this, I would say, give your life to God, give your life to God a hundred percent and everything will fall into place. I was homeless. I lived out of a, a, a trash bag for three years. I wanted to die. And, and, and I know there's people out there that say, I can't do it. I, I give up. If I can get clean, you can get clean. I promise you that I can barely tie my own shoes. And now I've, I've started my own business. Uh, I've gotten back in shape. Uh, I have a relationship with, with my family. My brothers and my sisters speak to me now. We have a great relationship. My family. Like, this is my family. Her family <laughs> welcomed me back. Um, but it was a process. You know, we had to, we had to work at it. it. But it was worth it. Yeah. It was completely worth it. Because... I, I just love you. I don't, I don't know. I'm so happy with where we are. Is it perfect? No, not. And I think maybe that's my big takeaway is like, you hear this, you know, it's so, because I remember I would hear these stories, these 
redemption stories and testimonies and things. You know, happily you, ever after. Happily ever after, right? It's, just, it's like it's terrible, it reaches the climax, then it's, you know, then, oh, here's the redemption and it's forever, you know, right into the sunset. It's not true, right? Like Luke's an addict. I'm technically a codependent control freak, you know I mean? It's, it's hard. We've gone through a lot. I have trauma. He has trauma. You know, there's things that rear their head, memories, um, you know, patterns of behavior, um, trigger, you know, all the different things that come with, you know, getting good, like walking through what we've walked through together. Right. So it's never going to be easy ever. And life rarely is. Um, but we've just made the conscious choice to walk a really hard road together. Um, yeah, trusting that God brought us here, you know, and I think like when you say like, oh, just trust God and everything will fall into place. It's not necessarily fall into place like you want it to fall into place, because um, I don't think I would have wanted this story. You know, I, I wanted to go through all the pain and the hurt and the yeah. years of, you know, Hallie not having him around and those memories and all of that. But I feel like we're right where God wants us. You know, Corey Ten Boom always says there's nowhere safer to be than in the middle of the will of God. And so, Amen. you know, like I said, it's not easy. Life rarely is, never will be perfectly easy. But day by day, that's the one day at a time. That's it, one day at a time. And um, just work on today. Yeah, here we are. Our messy, crazy, wild roller coaster of a story. Yeah. It's kind of surreal. It's to, wild. To hear it. Talk, you know. Yeah, this is really the first big thing we've done. <laughs> I mean, we've done this a couple times, but I guess just every time I hear it, I'm like, God, we did that? We went through that? We were laying in bed last night and just talking about, like, I can't believe how far God has brought us. You know, never in my wildest dreams did I think we would be here. And, and, it's, and it's above and beyond that. And I'm just so blessed. Yeah. And I love you. And thank you all for having us on. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, I just want to thank you all for joining us on uh, From Beer to the Bible. If you need help in, in anything in addiction or recovery, um, you can go to frombeertothebible.com. And um, yeah, again, we're so honored to be here, uh, to be asked to come on this platform and, and share our story with you guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you all so much. Or if you have a love an addict and you're kind of in my shoes and you don't know who to talk to or where to turn, just reach out and, you know, like my phone is always on. So, um, yeah. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.